to talk to us today about holding on to the next generation. Holding on to the next generation. Researchers tell us that young people born between 1985 and the early 2000s will be the largest generation in American history. They are referred to as millennials and Generation Z. They are different from their predecessors in the following ways. Millennials are tech savvy, civic oriented, community conscious. They are global citizens, entrepreneurial, and very flexible. Generation Z are money-driven and ambitious. They love to travel. They are prone to anxiety. They are known to set boundaries. They are avid gamers and they use social media in a unique way. Facebook is for old people. <laughs> Generation Z are into TikTok, Instagram, because their attention span does not dictate anything long and they don't have time for anything or anybody old. But worst of all, 61% of young people between their 20s and 30s are spiritually disengaged. They have no church life. They have no God roots. Which says to me, Lily Grove, that the harvest truly is plenteous but the laborers are few. And I want to distinguish this morning between what we've been calling them and who they are. Young adults, young people, children, I want to distinguish between what we've been calling them and who they are. They are not a lost generation. They are not a lost generation. They are a left generation. We've left them to raise themselves. We've left them to figure out life on their own. We left them because we are not through being children ourselves. 
We have left them to be raised by tablets and screens because we don't want to be bothered with them because we are too busy finding ourselves. The time to find yourself is before you have children. You should be found by the time you start having babies. And if not, then you are the one who is lost. I wish I had a witness here. Our psalm under consideration focuses on the transmission of faith from one generation to the next. Its purpose is to encourage parents along with the faith community to teach their children about God's wondrous works. The superscription of the psalm in your Bible and mine, this psalm is a masculine psalm. It's the masculine of Asaph. The word masculine has to do with wisdom, with insight, and the success that flows from having wisdom and insight. You're not wise because you're old. Because it's a whole lot of folk who are old and they're foolish. Somebody ought to help me talk here. Asaph was a Levitical musician appointed by David to preside over the service of song in the house of Yahweh. If one generation fails to pass along their faith and the stories behind their faith, the chain will be broken and faith will likely be lost forever. Parental leadership, parental leadership was and still is crucial to faith development. The first purpose of teaching children about God is that they might set their hope in God. That's, that's the first reason you ought to teach your children about God, that they get their minds off any and everything that is ungodly because these children are up against more than you and I have ever been up against. They don't know anything about an ice tray. They, many of them have never seen a stereo. They laugh when you talk about an A-track player. That's how we used to listen to the Isley Brothers and, and the Temptations. And they say, who is the Isley Brothers? Because that's not where they are. The second purpose is that they might not forget about the works of God. You need to get it over to your children that the way they have it now was not the way you had it growing up. 
And the reason why they are able to enjoy the many blessings that they enjoy is because you came through the struggle. And because you struggled to make it easier for them, they ought to struggle to make it better for their own children. The third purpose of teaching children about God is that they might keep God's commandments. Because the commandments of God are attached to the promises of God. I wish I had help to preach it. You can't just get what God has without getting God. No, 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 no. Have your children understand, you can't borrow my money unless you tell me what you want to do with it. Because it's not your money. You in my house. That's my door you just slammed. Talk back to me if you can. Notwithstanding the uncertainty surrounding the author of this psalm and its historical setting, the message of this psalm is unmistakable. It speaks with authority and has a relevant message for the people of God even today. Because the past is the great interpreter of the present and the great safeguard for the future. Churches begin as a movement. And then, after a number of years, churches become a monument. And if you don't pass your faith on to your children, the church will become a memory. You need to tell them what good things God has done for you. You need to set them down and tell them the st not just about your faith, but the stories behind how you came to your faith. You are not where you are just because you went to church. You had some pain in your life. You've had some setbacks in your life. You've had some heartbreak in your life. And the reason you shout so much is because God has opened so many doors. Your children ought to ask you, what do these stones mean? Yeah. Yeah. Mama, why you got to be the only one hollering on the pew? That's embarrassing. When I go to school, that's all my friends talk about. Let them talk about your mama hollering. You got somewhere to stay tonight. You got food on your table. Them Jordans you wear and your mama sacrificed for that. Somebody ought to help me preach it. That's why you ought to teach your children to say yes ma'am and no sir. Thank you and I appreciate it because you are where you are and the world will step out of your way if you got manners and good sense. Teach them. Sit down and tell them your story. Tell them how you overcome. Tell them how you're more than a conqueror. Tell them how you got strength to make it to where you are right now 
because you made good choices and right decisions because somebody had to pray for you. In verses 1, 2, and 3, there's an explanation. Give ear, O my people. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of, from, from of old, things that we have heard and known that our ancestors have told us. Give ear. Incline. Give ear. Incline. Here is what it is a picture of. It's a picture of putting your hand behind your ear so that you can hear it better. Young adults and young children don't know anything about this, but when you, when you cross a certain threshold, uh, you don't hear as well as you once did. But, but it's not just for the elders to hear, it's for young people, young adults, young children to bend and strain and ask God, what did you say? Because brothers and sisters, our children sometimes listen to us, but they rarely hear us. And so that's why as a parent, you've got to say, did you hear what I said? And, and according to the inflection in your voice, they change their attitude. I, I, I wish I had some parents here who are not scared of your children. And, and when I knew my mama wasn't playing, she'd say, I'm not going to say that again. So I had to strain to hear because she was not going to repeat the instruction. And as a child of God, there are things that God wants us to hear that we got to strain to hear because there's so much other noise. There are a cacophony of voices straining for the attention of young people. There are these false teachers on TikTok and Facebook and Instagram. Many of them with PhDs and many of them are, are life coaches. And young people are taking their advice and their life cues from these people who have no hope in Christ. They don't go to church. They don't have any spiritual background. These people are not your heroes. These people are not your friends. They're making money. These people are, are trying to tell you how to live their lives after they've screwed up their own lives. And then they're trying to tell you how to live your... You, listen, children do not come with directions, but they come with instructions. And the instruction is train up a child. I wish I had a Bible reader in a way that he should go and when he's old he will not depart from it. The instruction is spare the rod and you spoil the child. Have I got a witness here? The instruction is foolishness is bound up in him but the rod of correction 
will drive it far from him. Some of you, some of you, some of you who are women now, there was a time in your life when you would roll your eyes at your mother. Because, because you thought she, she didn't know what she was talking about. And, and some of you have this testimony. When you rolled your eyes at your mother, you were on the other side of the room. <laughs> and before you could say Jackie Robinson, she was all over you like a bad dress. With her fist balled up. Heifer, what did you say? I brought you in this world. I wish I had somebody who was raised like I was raised. Those of us here who are men, we came to a certain point where we thought we could take our father. We, we had already sized him up. Because when I was growing up as a boy, my daddy would not let us walk around in the house with our t-shirt on because my mama and both of my sisters were in the house and my daddy would have us to get up, all the boys, eight boys in my family, my daddy would say, get up and put some clothes on, look like you're going somewhere. A man ought to look like he's got something to do. Get up and put your clothes on. Don't walk around in this house with no shirt on. And I sized him up. And I said to myself, when I get to be a man, I'm gonna walk around naked in my house if I want. And one day I got my own house and my daddy came to my house and he said, son, put your shirt on, please. Now in my mind, I said, who you think you're talking to? But you know what I did? <laughs> because our parents were not our friends. I wish I had some help to preach right here. They fed us, they clothed us, they provided for us, that, that, but there were boundaries that we could not cross. And parents, you need to set up some boundaries to let your children know, I am your provider, I am your protector, but I'm not your pal. Give ear to my instruction. Incline to the words of my mouth and I will teach you things in parables. My grandmother used to sit us down and tell us stories, remind us of our history, bring us back to the time when we were nobody. We couldn't dress like we dress here on Sunday morning. The reason why church started at 11 o'clock was because they had to get the master ready to go to church early. 
And by the time they got all of the master out of the house, it was 11 o'clock and they started having church out behind the slave quarters in hush arbors where they could not even be heard or seen because they were nobody all the week long. But Sunday morning, something got a hold of them. And they realized that they were not what they were told they were, but in their hearts and in their spirits, they were children of God. And although they were barefooted in the slave quarters, they sang, I got shoes. You got shoes. All God's children got shoes. And when I get to heaven, I'm going to put on my shoes and shout all over God. You got shoes this morning. Shout. You got a car this morning. Shout. You got a job this morning. Shout. He's been good. He's been good. He's been good. Oh. Oh. Taste. see that the Lord is is good in verses 4 through 11 as I hurry not only is there an explanation in the text but there's an exhortation in the text God holds parents responsible for the spiritual instruction of their children. The worst mistake you and I can make as a parent is to say these ignorant words. I'm not going to force my religion on my children. I'm going to let them make up their own minds. And when they're old enough, they can decide. That's crazy talk. Children don't have the psychological nor spiritual wherewithal to make up their minds about what they want to do. Listen, we didn't even make up our minds about what we were going to eat. Now, I know this is a different time and this is a different generation, but some things just don't change. No, we didn't make up our minds about what we were going to wear or where we were going to go. There was no question about whether we were going to church or not. If God got us up, we were going to church. Talk back to me if you were raised right. There was no question of you talking back to your mother and your father. Because if your mama was like my mama, she could drive and whip at the same time. Talk back to me if you can. She had her hand on the steering wheel and was hitting everything behind her and never got in a wreck. Because they were determined that you have some sense. They were determined that you be intelligent. When you leave this house, act like I raised you. (laughs) 
Well, you know, Pastor, times have changed. Things are different now. You can't whip children no more. You can't raise children like that anymore. You have to put them in time out. And we have to say to them, Susan, don't speak to mommy like that. That happens across town. But on this side of town, Shaniqua Aguavelva, I'll bust you in your face with these papers. <laughs> Have I got a witness here? <laughs> Sit down before I kick the. always do it right some of that was abuse my mama should have went to prison but she kept me out of prison somebody ought to help me preach here if you raise them right Put them in God's hands. God will make a way out of nowhere. God will help you get them through college. God will help you push them through life. Amen. To those of us here who think times have changed, Do you think, do you actually believe that God does not know the difference between the greatest generation born from 1901 to 1924? Or God does not know the, di the difference between the silent generation born between 1925 and 1945? A God does not understand the trend of the baby boomers. My generation from 1946 to 1964. You think God doesn't know anything about Gen Xers born between 1965 and 1980? You think God does not provide for millennials born between 1981 and 1996? Our God does not understand Generation Z from 1997 to 2012. Our God does not understand the Alpha generation born since 2013. God's been God since God's been God. And from everlasting to everlasting, he's Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the end. God took care of your grandparents. 
And the same God who took care of your grandparents took care of your mother and father. The same God who took care of your mother and father is the God who's taking care of you. And the God who's taking care of you will take care of your children. David said, I've been young. I wish I had helped to holler right here. But now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed. Begging for bread. Yes, sir. I'm through. I've kept you too long. I've got to go do a podcast with my young friends. I don't have time to play with you old people anymore. But lastly, there's a celebration in this text. From verses one through verse three is explanation. From verses four through 11 is exhortation. But for 60 verses, the psalmist talks about how good God is. He opened the Red Sea and they went over on dry ground. When they got hungry, he rained manna from heaven. When they got thirsty, they drank sweet water from a rock. They were walking around for 40 years and their clothes would not wear out. Their shoes would not wear out. When the enemy tried to rout them, God was a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. It was dark on one side and light on the other side. God provided. God took care of them. And even when they disobeyed God, he made a way. I'm finished now. But I want you to listen to me, my young adult friends. Michael Masser, Michael Masser wrote these lyrics and Whitney Houston made it into a recording nominated for record of the year at the Grammys. And the song goes like this. I believe the children are our future. Teach them well and let them lead the way. Show them all the beauty they possess inside. Give them a sense of pride to make it easier. Let the children's laughter remind us how it used to be. Everybody searching for a hero. People need someone to look up to. I never found anyone who fulfills my needs. A lonely place to be. And so I learned to depend on me. I decided long ago never to walk in anyone's shadow. If I fail, if I succeed, at least I'll live as I believe. No matter what they take from me, they can't take away my dignity. That's a beautiful song. I don't like to hear nobody sing that song but Whitney Houston. But here is where the song goes off track. 
because the greatest love of all is happening to me. The song really goes off track with the next lyric. I found the greatest love of all inside of me. That's blasphemy. That's secular humanism. That's impersonal idealism. The greatest love of all is not inside of you. The greatest love of all was born in a stable. The greatest love of all was wrapped in swaddling clothes. The greatest love of all was 12 years old when he questioned doctors and lawyers. The greatest love of all when he got to be 30 years old, left his father's carpentry shop and went down to the Jordan to be baptized of John the Baptist. The greatest love of all stood in the Jordan River and the heavens opened and a dove descended saying this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The greatest love of all is not inside of you but the greatest love of all healed the sick. He raised the dead. The greatest love of all gave sight to the blind. He made the lame to walk. He made the dumb to speak. He made the deaf to hear. The greatest love of all was on a ship one day and a storm blew up on the Sea of Galilee and the greatest love of all waved his hand and said, peace, be still. The greatest love of all was on his way to Jairus' house to raise Jairus' daughter from a sick bed. But a woman had an issue of blood and she touched his clothes and when he stopped, the blood stopped because the greatest love of all saw a woman going to bury her only son. He put his hand on the casket and that boy came back to life again. The greatest love of all is not inside of you. The greatest love of all is on a hill called Calvary. The greatest love of all died one Friday. Didn't he die? If you were raised right, you can help me right here. Bright early Sunday morning, the greatest love of all got up from the grave with all power in his hand. But that's not the end of the story. The greatest love of all is right now this morning seated on the right hand of God. And whatever comes up in your life, he's able to make a way out of no way. He's able to open doors. He's able to answer prayer. He's able to be your friend. He's able to dry your tears. He's able, he's able, he's able, he's able. I need somebody who knows he's able. I need a witness this morning 
who can help me testify he's able to make a way out of no way I want to tell you young people when life gets hard for you and you look like you can't see your way when mama and daddy is not around when it looks like you're up against it by yourself I want you to fall down on your knees lift your hands toward heaven and repeat these words to yourself now unto him now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all you can ask or think according to the power that's working in you won't he do it won't he do it and if that doesn't work get on your knees again and say now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding great joy to the only to the only to the only to the only wise God to the only wise God be glory and majesty dominion and power now and forever won't he keep you won't he deliver you won't he provide for you why don't you grab somebody tell him he's a keeper he's a keeper he's a keeper I know he's alright make a way why don't you tell somebody be not dismayed whatever be time God will God will take care of you won't he take care of you I said won't he take care of you won't he provide won't he keep you in perfect peace if you keep your mind I'm not talking to young folk now let me talk to some old people now. Won't he make a way? Won't he open doors? 
If you're over 40 years old, I'm talking to you right now. Won't he put food on your table? Clothes on your back? Money in your pocket? Joy! 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 I know he's alright. you're saying I know what some of you young people are saying you're saying Reverend you you old timey you old school you don't understand just keep on living just, just keep on saying good morning and your attitude will change because the stuff that makes sense to you now, when you get up here where I am, you will have the testimony of all of the old people like me in here. If I had known then what I know now, I would have left that fool right at his mama's house. If I had known then what I know now do you know how much money I would have saved if I had known I was going to live so long I would have took better care of myself but God is still keeping me and God can keep you he can keep you on the college campus he can keep you in your dormitory he can keep you on your new job he can keep you in perfect peace, but you got to keep your mind stayed on there.